Hello. Hi, Merlin. How are you? Good morning, Dan. How are you? Doing pretty good. Happy Tuesday to you. You too. Tuesday is the optimistic day, and here we are. We've done it again. The optimistic, the most optimistic day. It's got a different valence. It's today. It's, a, it's an optimistic day. Tuesday is a day when things can happen. I feel like you're right. Oh, well, so many, so many other days you can just knock off, owing to the law, law of large numbers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Sunday, well, a lot of stuff's closed. Friday, people are already phoning it in. Saturday, it's already a little bit of a day off, kind of, you know? Uh, Monday can always be a holiday. Friday can be a holiday. So really, you got three days to get things accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, Wednesday's hump day. It's already got a name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Thursday, you got Thirsty Thursday, three for Thursday. But Tuesday's an optimistic day. Okay. Yeah. You got your Christmas shopping done? Uh, yeah. Good for you. Me too. Yeah, I think I have. Who asks that? Who? I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what, who asks what, that. What, what? I mean, I know like there's the need for social lubricant and the need to fill the air with words but why do people ask you that my my christmas shopping either, either i tell no i know done. why i know why people do it. they want to do it either because they want to feel better than you yeah or they need motivation to do it or both mm. because if i oh, say it's, it's a humble brag you it's, got, it's, it's the kind of thing you ask somebody because you want to talk you want to tell them that you've already got it done i don't what, did you get a did you get a raise this week <laughs> oh oh i did All right mm. Whatever, got a parking space. Yeah. You good? Y'all good? Huh? People. This show's really about people, Dan. People and Tuesdays. That's what this show's about. Yeah, I like that. All I really want to say this week is, is make Tuesday your optimistic day. Let's button it up. No, we can't button it up because today is... Today is a Dantacular. Well... I, I wouldn't say that, but... I like the ones where you prepare. I did prepare a lot for this one for some reason. I'm just going to sit here and drink my coffee. Just enjoy my coffee. Well, I I wanted to start with some (gasps) follow-up. Oh, God. Yeah, right? I think I'll be okay. It's an optimistic day. Our Keurig at home uh, is dying. It's doing the thing where (gasps) it's so funny. My coffee pot's dying. What's what's wrong with it? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I interrupted you. No, no. The thing I just made this bit... This coffee with it's become you sporadic. Did a pour over. How can that break? Huh? Well, you got to heat the water for the pouring, and it's become sporadic in its dependability. What's happening with your Keurig? We threw ours away after like a week. Uh, we a motorcycle. I've had a few of them over the years, and the one that they're the, great when they work. The oh, latest boy. one that we've had, which has lasted for at least five years, if not longer, mm-hmm. maybe maybe seven years, which is three times longer than the longest. Regular Keurig. This one was made by Cuisinart. Cuisinart is the maker of my coffee water heater. Okay. So after I got two regular Keurigs and they both died after a year or two, I said, um, well, maybe I'll try a Cuisinart branded Keurig. Does, does it work with Keurig pods? Yeah. Yeah. It works with the regular Keurig pods. Oh, it's li- it's all licensed. Like licensed. They, oh, that's so interesting. Okay. I don't know if they make it anymore, but it, it looked, or it does, I mean, we still have it. It looks really cool. It looks better than anything by Keurig. All the Keurig ones look like, uh, are they a sponsor? Let me check. They are not a sponsor. They you all speak look freely. like cheap plastic crap. They're so big. And they're so clunky they and They take clumpy up so and, much space in our tiny little kitchen. It's so big. Well, the Cuisinart is more streamlined. I don't know that it's got a smaller footprint, but it looks better. It's, and it works better. And it's worked great. But now it's doing the thing. And I don't drink. I is it this silver one that says Keurig Brewed on it? Yeah, I think so. 
Oh yeah, and uh, I don't. I like drink, their industrial design. I well. had I had to stop drinking coffee. We've talked about why, and I still don't drink it. But my wife, mm. of course, like she's a normal human, and she does. Yeah, and uh, and what she's reported is that the sometimes it will make a, a cup, but other times it fails to suck the water up into mm-hmm. from the reservoir into the place where it heats it and brews it. So you'll hear it sucking. It sucks, but it doesn't blow. I guess is what I'm trying to say. We had a we I think we had a similar problem with ours. Also, I, that needle that needle can be a real point of failure. Yeah. There's lots of ways this thing can get go wrong. Yeah. So anyway, so so she's like, what should I get? And she's like, you know, it, we, I'm the only one using this. Should I get another one? Should I get a small one? I said, you should get, I said, Mer- Merlin does a pour over. Yeah. And she says, what's that? I said, it's basically a, like a plastic filter that holds, that holds your filter. You put the coffee grounds in there, you pour over it. The water goes through it, goes into your, into a little pot or right into your mug. And uh, she's like, that sounds like a lot of work. And so I wanted to ask you, is, is it in fact a lot of work or is it easy? Is it as easy as I'm oh, making I'd it sound? I'd be happy to talk about this. This is a complicated business, more complicated than you realize. Uh, first of all, okay, so the one I found looks like it was discontinued. The one they make now almost, does yours look a little bit, I mean, go with me on this. Does it look yeah. a little bit like a soda stream? Yeah, yeah. Or is it broader? Yeah. Let's say, let's say the one that's available now. First of all, I am shocked. At the price of this thing. It w- I feel like our Keurig was very costly. And this one's $62. Yeah, okay. I'm looking at it right here. And it says Keurig Brewed. Yeah, it's the first one. It's the, It looks to be the Cuisinart SS500. S- oh. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spare okay. no expense. It looks like no. the 700. Higher numbers are good. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. It says here that was discontinued. Yeah. That one's been discontinued. So. It's broad. It's broad. Look at the one I sent you. That one's more narrow. It's a little bit, little bit more Soda Stream looking. I like. Oh, I like that one. It's narrow, super narrow. Um, so here's the thing. My wife is living the dream, mm-hmm. living her best life. Yes, I'm here for this. This yeah. is everything, okay. Queen. <laughs> she has a big lady executive lady job at an executive lady hospital, and she she has minions and stuff. And and you know what they've got? They got the topicage. That's what I call the total package. They got the topicage, <laughs> which is they've got a high-end, nice Keurig with, get this, a line, a water line to it. A Imagine living line. in a world where all you have to do is grab a free bucket of coffee, stick it in there, and make yourself a coffee of any flavor. Yes. Like. That's the dream. Yes. Having the water line. So she loves these things. She got us one for home. I had a devil of a time with the thing. It was just, it was, it was not working well. And when it goes wrong, you lose a costly coffee bucket. Right, sure. Right? Yeah. It's not it's not like loose coffee. Loose, you got loose coffee. Loose coffee. <laughs> if your coffee's loose, loose, you got options. You got to get your loose loose coffee. The, the 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 guy that used to be the Tonks guy, he's he's making a new kind of coffee and it's pretty good. Yeah. I yeah, remember Tonks. Yeah, I remember Tonks. Um well, here's what it comes down to and this is I mean, people say pour over and that sounds so fancy. But basically it comes down to this. You boil some water. I can do that. Yeah. You get this thing and I'm going to come to this in a minute cuz this is where it gets really perplexing. Melita for years has made a red plastic dingus that holds a number two filter. So you put the number two filter into the Melita plastic dingus, which accommodates it. You put in your preferred amount of coffee. You pour in some water. You can stir it if you want to be a fancy lad or a duchess. But I just pour it. It's <laughs> a duchess? Like a fancy duchess. <laughs> if you're a fancy lad or a fancy duchess, you might want to do the thing where you do it real slow and then you talk to people about the coffee. Uh-huh hard pass 
uh, I just pour the water in and it makes a coffee and then you got coffee. Now, that pour over, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's how I make coffee. That's how we make coffee at home. We each make our own cup of coffee. In the past, we had many of the Cuisinart drip model, which is a good model, but they, they broke every year or so. And uh, it was just, it, we didn't need the counter space taken up. Now, here's the perplexing part. The Melita company are savages because they have stopped making the standalone Melita number four filter drip cup dingus for your loose coffee. And now if you want to get that, I don't know why they stopped making, they still make the, you know, like a number two filter, the little boy. They still make the red plastic dingus for, for drip with, with, with the number two. I cannot find the number four on its own. Mm. You have to buy their coffee kit that comes with a carafe and, and a drippy grabber and all of that. And uh, so I just, I, I, you know, I, I hold these things dear and hope that they don't break or blow up or whatever. And then you can clean them with that, uh, with that nice espresso cleaner that I like. I would say she could try it. I mean, is she a coffee weirdo? No, no. What kind of, if, if you could say for OPSEC reasons, please cut this out if you need to. What brand of loose coffee does your wife like to drink? Uh, whatever Starbucks has closest to the register. She buys it in the store. You know, or she'll get it at, you know, the, the grocery store or where whatever basic, you know, Starbucks coffee doesn't matter. She does not care. She okay. has very, very few opinions about coffee other than it should God be it should be hot yeah. it should not be too strong and it should not be too weak and what those those um vectors are only she can really say god lover that's a keeper right there i'm gonna send you a link you can put this in notes if you want okay um it's the most wonderful time of the year Christmas is the time to say I love you. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's the thing you can get for $9.63. See, this is it. This is exactly it. Now, here's the thing. That now, now, understand that, do you know the size of a number four filter? By heart. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, they got, they, got, they got twos and fours and sixes. And uh, oddly enough, the four number four filter is for a sip cu- six cup dingus. Okay. The number four filter is for a two cup dingus. I just, I don't even use the pot. You put that over a uh, an accommodating mug or cup, mm-hmm. and it fits most mugs or cups. You pour over, it and you got coffee. You don't even need to have the carafe. So I just buy I just buy it to get the dingus. I think you could try that. You know what you could do? You could be husband of the year. You could get one of these for her. I'm going to get as it. ordering as it a now. secret pre Christmas present, mm-hmm. and you could make her a nice coffee in the morning and see if she likes it. Right. And if you don't like it, you could send me the Melita dingus. For the Why do coffee. I have to? Sub- I don't want to subscribe to it. That's the, you know, they're getting real fast and loose. Does it with come the with the, with filters stuff. and it comes with some, right? Yeah, but you can just get them. It has only get, five it, filters in there? Cheapskate. That's, that's how they get you. Christ. They call it the Polaroid model. You got to keep buying the blades. Um, There's so, one that has 80 filters in there for $8. They could, you know. I get, I get the brown ones. The, the Melita brand or do you go with another brand? Well, you could, you could, could get the most pretentious brand name of all time if you care. Okay. You ever see if you care? That's the name you, of the brand. That's the name of the brand. It's environmentally I'm friendly. Not, no, it's I'm not getting insuff- that. Insufferable. I will not. I will care. protest it. If you don't care, buy the other ones. We don't want you to buy it. You're you're banned from buying ours because you don't care. That's sort of a product version of those stupid uh, pop ups. That like, no, I don't want to save a hundred dollars on my order. Speaking of Tumblr, yeah, they're getting a, rid of their porn. Well, What's going to be a, left? That's a damn shame. Um, uh, there's a Tumblr that I follow that I'm sure I've told you about, but I'm going to send it to you now in case you haven't seen it. It's called Confirm Shaming. 
I love single purpose. I think you told me, but did you tell did you tell the me I'm, and the I, audience about this once? I think in the past, yes. I've shared some of my favorite anybody could like this tumblers. I like the tumbler of Crazy Walls. I like the tumbler of uh like our our amazing journey. Like the last thing you send out after your company company gets acquired or goes under. Yeah. Uh, confirm shaming. <laughs> when a site asks you to sign up for their thing and then the no thank you link is some hot garbage. Well, this is great. Are you sure you want to cancel? Never mind. Never, so you cancel my scripts. Never mind. I want great games. Right, I want. Yeah, that's the reverse of what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a confirmation bias. Uh, sign up and save for twenty percent. Nah, I like paying full price. <laughs> These are good. If you care, you know. No you thanks. Do that right I'd now. rather pay full price. Yeah, I don't want the research. I'm a dummy. I click buttons. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. I don't like delicious food. Uh-uh. Those are my choices. It's yes, send me the meal planner. No, thanks. I don't like delicious food. I think I they call the that a, a logical fallacy. I don't like delicious food. Make the button bigger. No, thanks. I'd rather do all the hard work myself. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. I'm fine <laughs> with losing customers. Nope. I don't care enough. <laughs> That's actually the first true one. <laughs> <laughs> You're using an ad blocker. We wondered if you might not. No, I'm a bad person. There's one that says that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlock Dr. Axe's free ebook? Nah, reject the ebook. <laughs> Be a pound sign true beach lover? Nope, I hate good times. Uh, Boys are bad. Yeah. This is. All right, so we got <laughs> so my. It sounds early. like oh, these got, are dark patterns. I call these dark patterns. We've got my. Uh, my um, my wife's coffee situation resolved, thanks to you. I'm, there is. A, in, in the. You got the Melita coffee maker, six cup pour over brewer with glass carafe, one count. Yes. And they, you know, I'm watching the video that is for some reason playing inside of our messages right now. And I see them, I see them not using the pot and putting it right over the, uh, right over their cup or mug or whatever. They still sell the little one. I don't understand. I like a mug of coffee. Yeah. And so this makes a nice mug of coffee. I got the coffees this morning. I'm coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. So no thanks. You know, I don't want delicious coffee. I don't want delicious coffee. I'm a terrible person. I want to die. <laughs> I, hate, I hate kittens. <laughs> no thanks. My children mean nothing to me. <laughs> right. I'm good. I want the environment to die in a fire. <laughs> no, I'd rather sit here and just know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, good. Well, you know, but you know, you've done part one because you added to your bastic. Now mm. I would say. Now, now do the nice super super husband thing and make her a nice coffee and see if she enjoys it. Yeah, I think it's that. nice when somebody makes you a cup of coffee. You don't expect it, but you need it. Most 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 consumables, I think, are better when somebody else makes it for you, unless they're bad at it. And mm-hmm. then you just got to pretend that it's good. Mm. Mm, thank you. <laughs> How much vinegar so, did you put in this pot? Mm. <laughs> That's a lot of vermouth. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's really more like a vermouth martini. <laughs> Oh, oh! I, I uh, speaking of, of getting cool things, a little more follow up. We, I would like to thank uh, listener Jay Little. Jay Little tweeted me on November twenty ninth, uh, and said, "Dan Benjamin, if you're still looking for a cheap iPad case, this one has been fine with strong magnets when closed and in the triangle." And uh, if you remember, I had reported that the twenty three dollar. Um, iPad case that I got for my iPad, the new 2018 11-inch one, uh, was a close copy of the Apple one for th- about a third of the price. And 
uh, it had a problem, and the problem was that that when folded into the triangle, it didn't want to stay in the triangle, and it would constantly yeah. I, w- I wouldn't mind that being stronger all across the board. Well, I uh, I complained about that, and Jay Little heard my complaint and responded. And uh, the case that he recommended is in the show notes. Uh, it's called the Moco Smart Folio Case Fit iPad Pro 11 inch 2018 support magnetically attached charge slash pair slim lightweight mm-hmm. shell stand cover strong magnetic absorption auto wake slash sleep for iPad Pro 11 inch black. Mm, and Moco. it is $16.99 and I ordered it and it showed up and it's even better than the $23 one in workmanship. And indeed, Jay Little is correct. It does hold tighter in the triangle. I haven't had it come out once. And uh, I'm going to put my, I'm going to say this is the officially sanctioned uh, folio case for a new iPad. If you have one and you don't want to spend $80 at Apple, you can spend $17 on Amazon or wherever else you like to buy your stuff if they have it. It is very, very good. It works great. And uh, I've been really enjoying it. So I highly recommend it. And I would like to say thank you to Jay Little for whose link is also in the uh, show notes for recommending this one. It's much better. Thank you, Jay Little. I am very glad to hear it. I love when there's options. You know, my friend Dan, back in college, he always used to say, you are your options. This is true. I think about that a lot. He said that in like 1988, and I still think about it. Now, there's another thing that I ha- I had. Um, actually, Take all the time you want. This is a Dantacular. Yeah, uh, that is called, it's a Logitech, I think it's called Keys to Go. There it is. I'll put this in the show notes, Oh, too. I know about Keys to Go. Everybody's talking about Keys to Go. These are cool. I'm going <laughs> to, I have this now in the show notes also. This is yeah, a, Gruber talked about this on the talk show with, I think, Snell. This looks really cool. I got this thing two years ago. And I think I used it once and then put it on a shelf somewhere and forgot about it. And then the other day, mm-hmm. I was once I got this new folio, I was like, I wish I had that little keyboard back. And I dug around and I found it. And uh, so what this is, this is, it, they call it the Logitech Keys to Go Ultra Portable Bluetooth Keyboard for Android and Windows Black. I don't know why mm-hmm. it's called for, well, this one is called for Android and Windows, I see. Uh, I The one that I got is, uh, is I guess, guess that it's somehow specifically for uh apple products because it has the mac command key on it and stuff like that so i will i will see if i can find that one and replace that in the show notes but if not you'll get the idea from the picture yeah the one i'm seeing here is no longer made logitech keys to go portable i did not get this on amazon i bought this in yeah best buy Maybe not made anymore. Maybe not, which would be a shame. Um, because they've just they've only got options to buy used on here. That sucks. Well, what what this suck. is? This is a very very cool. And I I suppose you could use the other one. It just isn't going to have the command keys that you want uh, on it already. But oh wait a minute. Oh, there's another one. There is another yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. There it is. <clears throat> uh, this one is Logitech Keys to Go Ultra Portable Keyboard Bluetooth Keyboard for Android and Windows Combo Black, forty six ninety nine. Put that in the show and notes if you found it. I will. I, looks, I looks very, I'm going to add it to my Bastic. It's very solid state. Yes. This one is red. I'll put this one in there also. It, this one actually says for iPad, iPhone, Apple TV, desktop, and more. And it does have the Apple keys. It is red. Uh, but mine is a blue. Anyway, what is this thing? This is a keyboard. But it is super, super, super thin. And when I say thin, I mean like, I don't know, a thin. quarter of an inch thick. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's slightly flexible, so don't sit on it, but 
it uh, it has six point three millimeters, a quarter of an inch. There you go. And mm-hmm. what's really fascinating about this thing is that there is actually some decent travel distance with the keys. The so, problem is, I mean, looking at it, just looking at it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something unkind, then I want you to disabuse me of it. It looks like you bought one, purchased the smart keyboard folio cover, mm. and then just just used a paper cutter to cut off the keyboard. It looks like that, that low that's, travel. That's exactly it. But it has it it. It has a softer, uh, soft has bad connotations. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, but it's got a little bit of snap. It's less clicky, if you will, than that one. The the Apple one feels rigid and the keys, they feel, they kind of, they feel more like chiclet keys. Yeah. This is a little different. I'm not going to say this is like the most beautiful typing experience in the world or anything. It's, it's not, but it does the job well, and uh, it's quiet, which I really like. It makes no sound at all, and it's incredibly light. It's incredibly small, and it's almost it's covered with a some kind wipeable, of a little wipeable fabric, wipeable skin. fabric membrane on top. That mm. it, uh, it's very nice, and and so if you're looking for a very very light keyboard that you could literally just not notice in your bag at all, and you've got fifty bucks, and you don't want the Apple Folio one, which I I have, and I don't like. And I want to sell now. Um, <laughs> I don't think it wasn't worth what I paid for it. No, in my usage. No. That's just I'm a dingling, and I buy those things because you know. I do too. I don't want to go full on. It's my job, but like I do feel like I was trying, I was trying to explain this to my daughter. The part of my dingling job, a lot of what I do, hopefully, is trying to entertain people. But in some aspects of what I do, I want to get, let people. Same thing as forty three folders, really. I want to be able to try this stuff out and be able to say who I think this or is or is not good for. Yes, me. and sometimes you got to try these things. It wipes clean with a damp cloth. It looks like Spills it does. Dirt drops. It does. Mm-hmm. It's it's very nice. And the battery on it, uh, it does have an on off switch, which is nice. And the battery on it is rechargeable uh, with a Bluetooth, not Bluetooth. Yeah, it's rechargeable over Bluetooth, Merlin. Rechargeable uh, over. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. No, Do it they is, have one with Mac or with Apple keys. Yeah, I put it in the show notes too. For some reason, it's only red, but. That's that's what's available right now. I guess they're All not right. making these anymore or something. But this is really really cool. Uh, battery lasts a billion years and it's mm-hmm. been fine. Uh, now I you know what I, I did want to get and I had it is the keyboard that you really like the Logitech. I think it's a K eleven or K eight eleven. I've got or, two. I've got the K seven sixty and I've got it home. I've got the oh no, it's I think the, I slept my computer. Oh god, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, it's the bluetooth uh bluetooth one that you can switch between multiple devices yeah is it kind of is it black uh the one that i had was silver with a black notes put it in notes well it it seems like they don't make it anymore except the one that they do make was like 160 bucks and i feel like i paid 80 dollars for it years ago and it and it was it's gone. It's lost to the. What uh, I had was Logitech history. Bluetooth Easy Switch K811 keyboard. Yeah, about 2015. Yeah, that's uh-huh. it. That's I can't find that. Well, anymore. What's costly? See, yeah. So I think I feel like they've discontinued it. But it's got the I media went keys. Oh, I went so to cool. Logitech.com and they still had it there, and it looked like you could buy it from there. They got it here for same day on the Amazon. Really, for 160 bucks. Yeah, well, you know, but it's it's. 89 over at Logitech. CMS is fighting me. Did I do something? Did I put an emoji in or something? Mm, You got to reboot your struts. I'm sorry. Yeah, that thing is getting uh, long in the, in the tooth. Uh, It's long. Well, that's what it can. We have, we have, we have things to talk about with regard to 
programming, don't we? Yes, uh, yes, we do. But first, first of all, first, first, uh, please tell people, in as much as you're comfortable saying, where they can find show notes for episode da 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 diggity four zero three of your back to work program. Ah, uh, then go to five by five TV slash bees and brothers two as in the number W is in walrus slash four zero three four zero three. They'll be they'll be there. Oh, and let me tell you about something I like. Please tell me about something you like. I would like Please. to tell you about something we, we all like. It's RX mm. Bar. RX Bar! Woo! I eat an RX Bar. You know, I found that they do these very cool, uh, like, seasonal bars hmm. that only... Hold on, let me get the one that... Grace? I bought two cases of this one after, after I tried it. It was called... <laughs> I don't know if you can still get it. It's called mm. Pumpkin Spice, limited mm. edition. And so here's the thing with the RX bar. This is a whole food protein bar. They're made with real whole ingredients. They're completely transparent and upfront about what they use. They label the core ingredients right on the front. I'm looking at the package now. This one has three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, and no BS. That's what they say right on the front. And then on the, the back, they'll tell you what else goes into it to provide the, the special flavor for it because they have this sort of standard mix of what they've determined to be, you know, really healthy and filling and everything else. And on the back, uh, you get things like real unsweetened chocolate or coconut or apples or whatever natural ingredients that they're using. And, uh, and, and it's the, beyond being really nutritional for you and, and, and good to eat. They taste delicious. Uh, they discovered, go figure Taking a uh, making a bar from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than the processed stuff. They, so they don't put in fillers, they don't put in additives, they don't put in chemicals. They never add any sugar. Turns out, turns out, it's better this way. And uh, they, the, you know, the the origin is back in 2013. They called BS on protein bars. They went out there and said, you know, all of these have crap in them. They all have junk in them. We want to make something that's different. We want clean ingredients. And they've done it, and it's 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 really good. Um, and so that's basically uh, RX bars in a nutshell. For me, uh, I know people that eat these for for breakfast on the go. For me, this is the I use it in two different ways. Right after a workout, because mm-hmm. that's where you really need some kind of boost then, or at like that three p.m. Like mm-hmm. I had lunch and now I feel like I need something. I'm not going to eat for another three hours. You get that slump. The slump. Yeah, I don't like the slump. Uh, and so they have 14 different flavors that you can get right now, plus seasonal flavors. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to read you a few of these. Get your uh, juices pumping over there. They got chocolate hazelnut. They got peanut butter and berries. They got uh, chocolate sea salt. They got mixed berry blueberry, maple sea salt. My kids love that one. Apple cinnamon. I love that one. Uh, chocolate chip, peanut butter, peanut butter, cho- uh, chocolate and coffee. I mean, they have mm. all these st- and the seasonal like I'm like, like this guy right here is going to be my mm-hmm. afternoon one today. Mm. And, uh, and so they have debuted now also an, an RX nut butter. Same, nut butter. same philosophy, a few that's simple like, that's my name. ingredients, uh, and uh, and and they have made, and so they have a single serving packet. It has creamy nut butter, nine grams of high quality protein. It's squeezable like us. It's spreadable. It you pairs squeezable nut butter with fruit, uh, rice cakes, pretzels, or you can eat it out of the pouch like my kids do. Um, 
and and so they've got uh, honey, cinnamon, peanut butter. They got peanut butter and vanilla almond butter. That's my favorite, mm. the last one. So go check these out. But here's the deal. They have a special deal for our listeners. Yes, you can go to your favorite uh, high-end grocery store and get these. You can order them on Amazon. But, but mm. if you want 25% off your first order of the bestseller variety pack, which is the proper way to start, because you want to get the full sample of these, then go to rxbar.com slash back to work. Of course, you knew that was coming. rxbar.com slash back to work and the promo code is back to work and you will get 25% off your first order of the, of the bestseller variety pack. Now listen, it's only valid in the US and it's mm-hmm. only for a limited time. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. I have no other information. You can, only, you can only expound upon the things that they tell you. That's all I can do. That's all I'm allowed That's to do. That's all you can do. So go yeah. check it out. rxbar.com slash back to work. Code is back to work. And uh, and get the value pack. You're gonna love it, and it's gonna a sampler pack rather. And you're gonna. But I. But if you see in a store, mm-hmm. if you see this pumpkins, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. that's the that's the one. I bought two cases of it. I'm on my last two. Can I say one thing about this? Yes. I feel like this is something I need to say every time. Okay. The thing is, you you have a lizard brain that's telling you these need to go in a pantry, like in a nice box, mm. and that's fine. That's fine if that satisfies your lizard brain. But it's not your lizard brain that gets hungry. It's your tum tum. And your tum-tum wants you to have those in places where you need to deploy them into the places where they belong. You put them in a backpack, you put them on a desk, you put them all the places where you get hungry so you don't have to go hunting, right? You got them right there. Deploy the bars. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell us to say that. No. They should. Yeah. Any sense. Jackals. RX bar. RX bar. Okay. Food. Now, at, at the end of uh, a sponsor, mm-hmm. you will frequently say, Bok Bok. Yes. Now we had a listener write in, mm-hmm. uh, listener Dave from St. Pete in Hello. Florida. And, and That's where I went to military school. Lighten up, Francis. Hi, guys. Love the show and wanted to pass along something to Merlin. It's a bit of an origin story to Merlin's frequent Bok Bok sound he makes at the end of sponsor content. The first time I heard him do that sound, I knew it was originally done by Steve Allen, but I never heard Merlin mention it. If you're interested in seeing it, check out minute 449, 1145, and 1230, and he sent a video on YouTube of, of that. And I, I, I never looked at that. Let me find that. I, I played it, and that's, that, I, I should say, perhaps Steve Allen did it first, uh, but that is... Not what what we it's are. It's not my origin, right? And so, um, I, Merlin, I, I, I'm speaking to the audience now. Merlin, Merlin is Hello. one of those people who feels and believes that a joke is not funny if you have to explain it. But mm-hmm. I feel if you like have to explain it. It's a, it's an essay. One once I think every year or two, I feel like we for the new yes. listeners we need to explain <clears throat> what this is. So I have this prepared. Also, I have this queued up. So may I may I well, play? Can I, can I get some context for this? Yes. I won't spoil it, but like, <clears throat> this is something that my, <laughs> that my daughter never suffered from and has only begun to suffer from as Hulu inexplicably puts the same gosh darn ad mm. into something that she's watching that she's binging on. Yes. Right? Like the one where JB Smoove sends the guy the thing about getting on the goalposts and like there's this one ad. I don't even know what it's for. I think it's an ad for sports. <clears throat> but you just see these same, they're like, you know, they're like crappy run of network internal ads sure. promoting TV shows usually. 
But <clears throat> Dan and I came up at a time, I'm a good deal older than Dan, but we still came up in an era where you watch broadcast TV and you, especially if you were watching, let's say afternoon TV, mm-hmm. like on your local, like UHF affiliate channel 44 or WXIX in my, uh, my, my neck of the woods. Um, you would see the same commercials over and over and over ad nauseum until they were just drilled into your head. Anybody out there who's 50, if I say ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> or if I say, I'm the sole survivor. <laughs> or if I say, here, diagonally. Sne- diagonally. What if I say, pretty sneaky, sis? Mm-hmm. Or what if I say, operate? <laughs> When the mom comes down the stairs, yes. And one, one kid goes, "It's my turn to, to operate. operate." Yeah. And the mom comes down. She goes, "Operate <laughs> like a fancy duchess." <laughs> you get these things pounded into your head, and uh, and so that's some context for what Dan's about to share with you, mm-hmm. which I believe is an Easter greeting. It is an Easter greeting. It is uh, it is M and M's and M and M's. M and M's. I always get it wrong. I always I think it's the uh, Cadbury the Cream Eggs Peeps or something. Yeah, Ca- something. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's, it's an ad. not. You can play the whole thing. Yes. Okay. M&M's chocolate candies, the milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Okay, so now for those one child you, is dressed as an egg. Yes, and one is, child is dressed as a Chewbacca duck. Yes, a Chewbacca duck, or I'm I'm guessing it's some kind of Easter themed uh, bird. It's, it might it's be it might be the mother of the egg. It might be. So for those people who couldn't see my screen. Um, this is a commercial from M&M's from the eighties and it, it, it would run, run before Easter. Yes. And it shows every single child whose voice you heard is sitting with a collection of candies, M&M's featuring prominently in those candies, thanking the, the Easter candy they got in their Easter basket. That's right. So all their Easter baskets are on display. And at the end you have the egg, which is hatching that has one child in it and the other, uh, terror duck. Uh, mm-hmm. That is that is there saying thank Wookie you chicken. Easter bunny, bok 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 bok. Oh, how cute is that? So that is where it's from. And when when your uh, when your brain is melted like mine has over <laughs> the years, and you hear certain things, it automatically triggers another thing because <laughs> that's how your brain works at this point. It's just random synapses firing. That's right. You know, it's a it's a Madeline dipped in tea, and uh, and so for a time you would say uh, thanks to what well, used to be the bit was I would always after you finished I would say because now I'm explaining the joke that makes it funny I would say our thanks to name a sponsor for supporting five by five and back to work, and then in time you would say thanks name of company mm-hmm. and then I would say thanks Easter Bunny Bok Bok right and then it just become thanks Squarespace Bok Bok. And so that's that's where that came from. Now I, I'm a big fan of Steve Allen, and it, as it turns out, Steve Allen gets lots of stuff taken from him. Oh, look at this—the one with the kid that sounded sad. That's because he has a black eye. He has His a black sister eye. Abused His, him. Sister, His sister. That's right. It's has, a full Easter assault, and this little Lord Fauntleroy fella has a black eye, and he's sitting there with his abuser on the steps. Yeah, that was a different time, Dan. The seventies yeah, were a different time. I know. But Steve Allen got you know a lot of a lot of Letterman's general bit, like General Veltenshong. One of my favorite serving military officers, General Veltenshong. Uh-huh. Is General Veltenshong and his specific bits come straight out of Steve Allen. 
from the 60s. I, I, you know, I think it's one of those things, like, if you're not sure who wrote the song you're listening to, it was probably the Beatles. Or and Bob Dylan. Or Bob Dylan. And if there's some bit that's funny. The quote, the quote is either out. Mark Twain or Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. Yes. Or it's been misattributed to one of them. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a, occasionally a misattributed to Thomas Jefferson. That would be Thomas the other one. Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss? So you, uh, you get these things banged in your head, but yeah, Steve Allen had lots of funny bits. You ever seen the one when Frank Zappa came on when he was like a teen? No. Frank Zappa from a very young age was into, uh, like, uh, what's his name? Edgar, Edgar, what's the guy's name? Doesn't matter, but he's very into like music concrete and like, so he comes on and plays a, a, a bicycle wheel on Steve Allen's show as a teen. I think he's wearing a suit. So try uh, Steve Allen, Frank Zappa. I've discovered over time that people love it when you Google things and then uh, watch it and they can't see it. Yeah. Steve Allen, Frank Zappa. 1963, Frank Zappa playing the bicycle. Oh, look, he doesn't have his little mustache. He's so cute. He went, You know, he went to high school with Captain Beefheart. Oh, really? Don Van Vliet. They, they went to high school together. Yeah, that Camarillo Brillo. Frank Zappa, very, very good performer. Yeah. Big fan. Crowd, you got a favorite crowd, Zappa crowd pleaser. Crowd pleaser. You got a favorite one? You got, got one you like? Oh, let me think. I haven't listened to uh, Frank Zappa in... I like, I like those two in a row. I like uh, Apostrophe and, and the other one. And then I like a lot of his tunes. I like that song Muffin Man that, uh, uh, that, uh, that Captain Beefheart sings on. What do you feel that was his... I mean, if you're saying Apostrophe, that's early 70s, right? Probably seventy four. Look this so. up. What's the one I'm forgetting? There's two. The two that are right next to each other. They they actually were released. Oh, I just ta- uh, I just uh, found this. Are you talking about apostrophe and zoot allures, or no? Shake well, your booty. Really, let's see. Hot rats is the I think the instrumental <laughs> one. Shake your booty. Shake shake. shake your, oh, overnight shake sensation and apostrophe are both very good. That's seventy three and seventy four. Mm. Finish I, what you're going to say though. I well, I was just going to say I didn't really get into him. Uh, or really become aware of him until like the eighties. So like Valley Girl era, yeah. 80, no, that's that's a that's that's a good song. Eighty one. He was. Such, you are what you is. Such a weirdo and such a maverick. He did so much stuff that nobody else has done or nobody else did for a really long so time. many albums. God, I had no Fair. idea he did this many albums. But also like he had, he, he pioneered, like he's always been very interested in stuff beyond rock music. Rock music was like an eye rolling thing to him, orchestral stuff. And eventually I think he got one of the first, like, was it a f- Fairlight? He got one of the first like digital synthesizers. He did that. He like archives all of his stuff in a vault, like watching a documentary about him. He, you could do a deep dive on Frank Zappa. He's a very interesting fella. Might Real just weirdo. have to do that. Yeah, I mean, his stuff is difficult, and some of it has not aged well in our current pound signed age. But um, Catholic Girls isn't quite as funny as it used to be. <laughs> but or a Crew Slut, like not as funny as it used to be. But oh, you know, it's good. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's Garage is good. But which was Apostrophe Camarillo Brillo? No, that's Overnight Sensation. Let me look here. Um, you know, you know, I would say Overnight Sensation 1973 is not a terrible place to start. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then he worked with, work with Captain Beefheart and boy, was that ever a trip. Captain Beefheart, woo, woo, he refused to wear headphones. So is this studio. music that you feel still holds up overall? Oh my God. Uh, Trout Mask Replica is, it's, it used to be cool to name check Trout Mask Replica because it was, 
seemingly willfully weird and impossibly terrible. Um, and I don't know that this helps that much. This is a pretty good. Vox did a pretty good YouTube video on this. If you want the like short version of Trout Mask Replica, but Captain Beefheart was a super interesting guy. He was very into the blues. A lot of his stuff was just very like kind of strange twelve bar blues, very Lightning Hopkins style singing. Um, I mean, before Tom Waits popularized that style. And, uh, but his songs would, he would, he was a brutal dictator with his band. He made them live in this hovel and like practice for hours and hours and hours every day. And then you go and listen to Trout Mask Replica and Frownland comes on. My smile is stuck. I cannot go back to your Frownland. <laughs> you listen to that and you're like, what is this? <laughs> It's, it's, it's like, it's all so goddamn weird, but every note of that was intended. It is made more weird by the fact that he (laughs) refused to use headphones and was just listening to the vibrations through the wall. Oh my God. What a character. I'm going to find that Vox video. Don't end your Captain Beefheart dive with this Vox video, but it's not a terrible place to start just to give you some context because it is, it is willfully difficult music, but it, there is a sense to it that I recommend. Trot Mask Replica. Trot Mask Replica. Put it in show notes. If it lets me. If it doesn't let me, I have to send it to you. Hey, it worked! It worked? Yeah. Don Van Vliet. He went by Captain Beefheart. So now I gotta find uh, Beefheart Zappa High School. I'm really cutting way into the Dantacular, so I feel like you should get I us like back, that, on, back on track. Um... Well, the um, other thing that we were going to talk about was we were going to talk about our kids learning to write uh, code, to do a little bit of programming. Yeah. yeah. And my son, uh, out of the blue one day, said, you know, I think I'm ready to learn how to code now. I think I'm ready to learn how to write some programs. Because what, I think I mentioned his one of his passions in life is video games. Surprise, he's an 11-year-old boy, and he loves video games. Uh, and But like also just for other context, at a time when... I talk about this with Syracuse all the time at a time when most kids would prefer not to use the computer. The computer is the weird old guy thing. They would really rather use the, the iPad. It's so interesting to me, but he, he said, he's had lots of tinkery electronic projects. He likes video games, but, uh, but, but here it is. He wants to learn to program. So interesting. He decided and you know, his interest is in games. And I thought, well, you know, obviously I could, I've, I've taught many people to program in the past and, um, you know, when he, I have never wanted to push this on him because I felt like if, if his interest was there, that would want to encourage it. But, you know, I, I wouldn't want to like make him do something that, that he wasn't interested in, obviously. So, um, there's enough of that. I feel like in his schoolwork and in his whole life of stuff he has to do that he's like, doesn't really want to do. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I want to do is like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to code. And he's like, well, I kind of want to do now nah, we're going to learn to code right now. So I never wanted to do that. Those, those are a tough sell. Those are a tough sell. But he, he he came up to me one day and said, you know, I, I think I would like to learn this. And I said, well, there's a lot of ways for you to start learning to write code today. And the one that I had already done a little bit of research into, what was the name of the one that, is it Scratch, the one that, that your daughter's looking at? The one or? a lot of people came up with, not Logo. What's the one with the turtle? What's the one everybody learned with the turtle? I learned the, that is called Logo. and I Was it Logo? Okay. Yeah. The, the one that... Um, Gosh, there's so much about this. It's really easy to teach. I don't, I don't think it's through Khan Academy, but it's something similar. It's called Scratch, and it's just basically you do these exercises that some of which have been like co-branded with like Disney stuff. But you basically go in and learn loops and conditionals mm-hmm. and booleans, right? I mean, you learn that the basics of if you're you're not exactly learning a language, but you're learning some concepts. 
that would be useful? Was that close? Yeah. Um, I, I looked at Scratch. I thought it was pretty cool, and I was going to go in that direction, but uh, instead I found out about Swift Playground. So I want to talk about that, but I want to mm-hmm. respond to your comment about Logo. Logo was made in the late 60s, and the point of it... You're kidding me. No. Um, the point of it was, you know, what, what you described, the turtle graphics. And basically, you you learn to program by moving a little symbol, which they called a turtle, around... And you would direct it on where you wanted it to go. Exactly. Right? And it, it had a, a pen that it could drop as it moved. So basically, what you would say is like, move forward 10 spaces, turn left 90 degrees, move forward 10 spaces, turn left 90 degrees. And, and that would, you know, you'd give it instructions and you could logically figure out, here's how I can draw a line. Here's how I can draw a square. And then uh, as you get more advanced in, in this, um, you it's basically you're creating vector graphics, but eventually you could start doing things like spirals or other things like that by using loops and say, oh, I want I want you to do this this thing fifty times, and how do you make it do it fifty times? Well, you understand the concept of a loop, and then you mm-hmm. eventually get to learn how to build functions and and things that it can do over and over again. So all of this is pretty cool, but it doesn't it's not it doesn't really relate, I think, to the way that people want to learn to code today which is i think even though that was relatively visual for its time there's much more visual things and so that that's kind of where swift playgrounds and so i i had heard about this when it came out there was must have been a wwdc or something where they demoed this and i watched the video that they do about uh for swift playgrounds um and the woman who is introducing it kind of walks you through their lessons in 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 how it works and so for those who haven't experimented with this this is an app that runs i'm guessing it's just on ipads the Mm -hmm. the website says it's just on ipads and it's clearly geared toward kids uh because it it feels very much like a game and you have a little it starts out there's more little creatures in it but the first creature is like your little buddy and you're basically moving it around the this space the virtual space and it you can have you can tell it to do things like move forward or jump or capture the gem or climb the stairs or turn left or turn right and the way that they introduce programming i was pretty impressed with it i went through the demo myself and it was really cool and you're basically solving puzzles and you're solving them by essentially writing code. But the code that you're writing, a lot of it, especially at first, is sort of pre-filled for you. So like there might be a method called turn left and you don't have to write turn left. You just drag it and drop it or type it uh, in in the order and, and you can figure out how to at first you're just moving your uh, your little guy around the, uh, the, the, the virtual space. And then it gets more complicated later. But what's also cool is they've teamed up with like Lego Mindstorms. So you can write, we're not doing this, but you can write like code to control their robots and things like that. But eventually, Mm -hmm. uh, and I put the link to this in the show notes, eventually it gets much more um, complicated. And uh, and they teach you about things like loops and functions and conditionals and variables and operators. And they even get into things like... um, types and and how to fix how to identify bugs and things like that and it's just i was really really impressed with it and the way that it guides you through it and walks you through it 
is really cool. Apparently, I'm looking at the website now. I didn't know this, but you can control the Sphero, the little rolling robot thing, and oh, cool, uh, and lots of other things. And so he really likes this, and he's really, um, really enjoying it. And you know, I don't know what the natural uh, progression would be if it's well, you use Swift playgrounds, and then you automatically start coding in Swift, or if it's simply the goal is to just you know teach you the fundamentals of programming, which is which is the way I'm approaching it because, you know, I, I just think anything that teaches you to think in this way is going to be helpful. And it's, it's also worth noting that, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I always struggled with math at a young age. I don't know why exactly, uh, but it was never my, my big subject. And yet I was also very good at programming computers. I mean, at, at 10 or 11 years old is when I first got my, um, my dive into computers and when I started learning to program in, in basic and logo at that time. Uh, but ever since then, I just, that's, that's been the thing that I loved the most. And for me, math was very hard until I hit geometry. And when I got to geometry, man, that was a piece of cake. That's the- so interesting <clears throat> to me. The way I was, we had our teacher conference with, um, with Ellie's teacher mm-hmm. and the three of us went and met with the teacher and, and he was saying he, he was exactly the opposite that he, he was such a whiz at all the arithmetic, but then geometry like laid him low. I think there's two kinds of people. I think there's geometry people and the, the other kind of math people. Yeah. But that made sense to you. You memorize some stuff, you apply it, you learn like how to apply those things. Yeah. And it seemed like, well, if, if this, then that kind of stuff. And I guess that went along with my programming mindset and you'd say well why why wouldn't algebra have been as easy that's all you know balancing equations and things but it was it was tough for me so i'm hopeful that this might you know might help him in that regard too but he it's here's what i would say is if you want to learn programming or if your kid wants to i i nominate this as a good place to start again i didn't spend much time looking at scratch and what it can do but the fact that he already had an ipad Uh, And is already very, very comfortable in that space and doing that kind of thing that it just seemed to make sense that this is an app that he could just get and start using. And he did. And I sat with him for a bit while he started experimenting with it. And then he's like, no, I'm I'm just going to do all these lessons. And he's been having a a really good time with it. And it's great because I feel that structure, that structure can be great for kids. My, my daughter always dreads doing Khan Academy until she's actually doing it. Yeah. And then she gets very competitive about it and gets pretty into it. It's interesting what a little structure can do to like help you build upon the thing that you know, take you to the next thing you don't know. It, kids can really respond well to that. And so I would recommend it. I think it's cool and it's free. But the, here's the weird thing about it. There's, is that the app itself is a little bit buggy. Um, it, uh, both he and he was a real programmer. He'd make his own how to build a program. program I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's so weird though. Like we both noticed like significant, battery drain on our ipads and his is like an ipad air 2 and mine's the new one and i'm like man why do i keep needing charges he's like oh do you have swift playgrounds running i said yeah he's like oh quit that i said really he said yeah he said it was draining the battery like crazy and he was right i quit it and now my battery life is back to normal another weird thing about it is periodically You'll be doing something on the iPad and the, the little creature that runs around, his name is Byte, by the way. Um, mm. And as he like, you, you'll hear his voice like in the background, just while you're doing something else. He'll be like, you know, and you're like, what was that? <laughs> Apparently it's still running in the background all the time. So if you're using it, be oh, sure so to There's all those people out quit. there shaming you for thinking you need to quit apps. You know. never need to quit never. apps. Except for the times when you definitely need to quit yeah, apps. Yeah, Exactly. 
Um, I am I am glad to hear this. So now, there's several directions that I think could make this interesting. Yeah. One is I'll just I'll just point to something. Um, one time on reconcilable reconcilable differences, Syracuse and I had a pretty interesting, I think, interesting discussion of kids and technology. And like, I was basically asking John, "Do you think kids like should should learn programming?" I mean, I, I'm very interested in a a new way of thinking uh, in the way that I have not totally uh, come up with yet, but a new way of thinking about you know kids and technology, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like. I don't know. There's that thing that's been going on for years now. I would say for the past at least five years, there's this whole drive to say like everybody should learn programming. Well, should everybody learn programming? What is it we're what is it we want them to learn about programming? Because I think implicit in that is this kind of Silicon Valley go, go, go thing of like everybody needs to be a programmer in the future. I don't know if that's true, but I liked your point about math. Uh, in particular, talking with my kid's teacher about this. Again, again, I just always have to reiterate the way kids are taught math today is almost, almost uh, indistinguishable. It's almost impossible to, to distinguish as teaching the same thing we were taught as kids. It's so very, very different. My, 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 my memory I always bring up to her and she rolls her eyes was that I, I feel like I remember most of third grade being memorizing uh, products right. <laughs> of all numbers between, you know, basically here is a 100 problem quiz that you're going to take every day until you get 100%. And the key with the way my daughter and I assume most kids these days are being taught math is very, very different. It's about, it is about learning some, memorizing some things, but it's about um, problem solving in the true sense of the word. It's about learning how to visualize, then show two or three different ways you could solve that problem, illustrating it like with real world things and then being, being able to do things like these, uh, these, they do these crazy looking tables to do multiplying large numbers. But right now she's learning in addition to learning decimal multiplication right now, she's learning, um, estimation. Like I don't remember ever being, I learned estimation. I feel like maybe late in high school or college, but the way they teach it is so different today. And it makes you think about like, so when we say kids should learn programming, um, I'm, I'm especially okay with that if it gives you a better context for thinking about arithmetic and math in general. Like, I'm not sure everybody needs to be a programmer, but having a context for being able to visualize what numbers actually mean, man, that can't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. And the more time you spend looking at those numbers, like how is it that as you get older, you're able to just look, you can you develop chunking mechanisms that right. you don't even are aware of. We're like, you could look almost like a Rain Man thing. Like you could look and go, well, that's, that's seven matchsticks. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, how, how do you know that seven matchsticks? Like, I don't know. I could tell you it's definitely without counting them. I can tell you it's definitely more than four and almost definitely fewer than 10. And it looks like about seven plus or minus two. Like, how do you know that? Like you just, you just do. Cause right. you spend practice, so much practice, time. Practice. With, yeah. Practice and exposure. Right. And like context, like, I just, I, it, I, I don't want to sound bitter about it, but like, it's the best they knew at the time, but like just memorizing that six times nine is 54. Uh, that's good. Now I know every time I see six times nine, I know it's 54, but she learns a method just to take one random example. I can't even explain it right. But another way to solve for six times nine is 54 is to break it into threes. Another way is to say, well, what's six times 10 minus six. It's like, What? Why did you never teach me that before? It's so much easier to do six times 10 minus six, right? Or like the first time you learn that like to get the tip, you take the sales tax and multiply it by two. It's mm-hmm. like, what? Why did you never <laughs> tell me that until I was 20? That's so, there's no, there's no dignity or brilliance in having to 
do everything the hard way. You can actually being encouraged to say like, show me three ways to solve this. It drives my daughter crazy because it's, she gives the same answer I give, which is like, well, I just know that's what it is. Well, show me, show me three different ways that you could do six times nine. And like, I think that I look at that and maybe I am truly old because that feels revolutionary to me. And with programming, the more time you spend going, well, how far do I want the turtle to move? Like five stops being just another number and five starts obtaining a sense of fiveness to it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, like some numbers like have a feeling to it of like, this sounds like synesthesia, but I really think the more time you spend with numbers, the more you can sort of see the number the way you would almost on a die. And it just, I don't know. I just, I think that's, that's the best thing. As far as what he does next, do you, do you predict that this will lead to interest in making well, let me put it this way. As I said, I think it's valuable when you have these guided things like yeah. Khan Academy yeah. or like Swift Playgrounds. Do you think there will be a point when he starts exploring or would want to explore beyond the structured thing to like... Definitely. Um, it doesn't have to mean learning Python. Right. Um, but like, do you think there will... Do, do you suspect that he will... I mean, it, it would be totally cool if he just wanted to like make a thing for himself. <laughs> you know, the same way that like kids learn to read because they want to learn, you know, more about Harry Potter and... I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 hope, I hope so because of course I want him to learn this stuff and I think it would be, you know, useful. Well, my office building is across the parking lot from uh, where the Bethesda uh, company, I don't know if it's all of Bethesda, but it's like a whole building of Bethesda developers. That's a video game company, right? Video game company. They make... Um, Fallout? Yeah, I was going to say Fortnite, but they I, don't I only that. know that from Monster Factory, but yeah. You're correct. You are quite correct. And uh, and I think I mentioned this last time we talked about this, but I, I see them whenever the food truck comes, I go down there and they're standing around and I've asked them, you know, like what the different groups are and how they're divided up. And they said, you know, well, we've got quality and assurance group. We've got the developers who... Um, who write the code. We have people who build the levels. We have the play testers, you know, all of this. And I said, what's the, is there like a common background? Is there a common degree that y'all share? Is like, we're pretty much all computer science majors. You know, and these are mostly mm-hmm. guys in their mid, early mid twenties to early mid thirties. That seems to be the bulk of, of who I see out by the, the food trucks. And they're all, and I said, oh, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And they said, no, 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 you know, you know, pretty much everybody working here has a computer science degree of, of one kind or another. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing I've told my son. Like, if you really want to get into making games, uh, then, mm-hmm. then computer science is the way you're going to have to go, whether you like it or not to, to, today, you know, when I came up. Uh, I just knew how to write code and the fact that I had an English degree didn't really make a difference to anyone. Um, it was like, well, he can write code. So that's, that's fine. But on some level, isn't learning CS to be a programmer kind of like learning physics to be a juggler? Like, is, isn't there something to be said of this? And I, I'm not being all John Roderick. I'm not saying it's just a trade, but like if you, you could pick up a lot of programming without a deep way down the stack knowledge about how it works. 1000, right? I mean, 1000% true. Like you, really? But, you know, you, you also bring up another really interesting part that I, I when I when I think about uh, the pedagogy of technology, like what would you like a kid to learn? The easy answer, not the easy answer, but the somewhat obvious answer. That's not a bad answer. Is well, kids should learn programming. But then there's like there's at least um, two other big branches I think about. The one that schools kind of cover is like, well, how do you use the technology? Like, what are best practices for everything from passwords? 
to avoiding stranger danger. There's all that kind of behavioral and decision-making stuff mm-hmm. that they're going to be confronting. Like, you know, we could be, you know, perhaps your kid has a phone that used to have a different phone number and still gets pretty perplexing messages. Well, that's not in the manual. How should they deal with that? You know, and I think this sort of abstinence only thing of like, we'll close the window and tell your parents is not, does not scale up well. So I'll leave it aside for a minute, but I, I think there's still a lot of grenades rolling around with how we help kids develop sensible uh, things about everything from how and when to use social media, like what to escalate, all that kind of stuff. But the thing that makes me think of you in particular, mm. and to some extent me, is the tinkering. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm interested in anything that makes somebody want to tinker, not just to be a nerd, but because you will, if you spend enough time trying to fix broken things or understand how something works, like the more time you spend with that, the more likely you are to be able to fix your own problems in the future. Like I've been having a problem with an app and I am that guy that will really, I really try to fix it myself before I bug someone else. Mm-hmm. Because who knows the person that I reach via Zendesk, who knows how much they know. And I don't want to bug them about it unless I've tried everything. But what's nice with that is I have a pretty good, back to estimation, I have a pretty good idea sometimes that there's a kind of problem that's pretty common that can be solved with quitting the app, restarting the phone, deleting the app, and reinstalling the app. <laughs> There's all kinds of like real Bush League stuff that I, to be honest, a lot of people don't still don't know or don't remember that they know. There's that kind of stuff. But then you get into the kind of crazy stuff, which is like, is there something going on because of, um, in the old days, like a, uh, an extension conflict? Are there, are there unseeable things that only experience would teach you are the kind of things to look at? All the way down to my favorite, my all-time favorite, the corrupt font. The very last thing anyone ever thinks to check, you could have one corrupt font on your Mac back in the day that would cause completely bananas problems. Once you've had a corrupt font, one, first you learn about corrupt fonts, second you learn that that could be a problem, right. you start including that in your flight of things that you try to debug, right? So I guess I just, yeah, there's the one part that's about the programming, you know, such as it is. The other part is about like dealing with technology and people, but also like how do you get people to want to tinker? Or how do you get people to learn how to like fix their own stuff? You know, you may not, ideally everything would work flawlessly, but like if your plane's about to take off and your stuff isn't synced, how do you know what to shut off first? How do you know how to allocate resources? How do you know, you know what I mean? How do you know when to stop bothering? How do you know when it's better to just go spend time with your family rather than fiddle with this right now because you can't really fix it? And like, I think those are, that's a decision tree that you only get good at when you've done it a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm still not great at it. I'm better at it than a lot of, you know, average bears. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you get kids the tinkering gene? Yeah, that, I mean, I think, do you you have to be born with that? Because for me, I've always been, like, I, thinking back, it's so funny how things stay the same in your life. There are, I have tapes of me. I had a tape recorder and a little microphone. I was probably four or five years old. And I would do interviews and what I would think of as radio like or, talk show. or TV yeah. programs. Yeah, talk show stuff. The most treasured thing is a, a cassette tape of me. I don't even know where it is. It shows how treasured it is. But yeah, me right, interviewing same. my dad about a year before he died, me interviewing him. I used to love to do I would do like radio shows. They made absolutely no sense. No. But it was so but, magical to have a tape recorder and be able to record yes, things. It was magic. Yes. And I, I don't know how many times I listened to those things back. You know, like this is when I interviewed my uncle about, you know, boats. Um, 
<laughs> but, you know, then once I got into computers and, and even before that, when I was a kid, I was one of those kids that would take everything apart. Like, like that was like anytime I would get something new, it was took every ounce of, of my willpower to not instantly take it apart, whatever it was, whether it was the tape recorder or any toy or anything. I just wanted to, to figure out how things worked like that. And uh, and I, I think programming was fun because I got to learn things, understand things and, and tinker and try and figure them out. And I remember when I, you know, whenever I would get in like a, like when they came out with, with windows 3.11 and then later windows 95, like I would open every single directory and look at the contents of every single directory. <laughs> that was me. I was at a different level, but that's me in preferences. Every time anything would update, I would always go look at the preferences, whether that was the OS or the app. I would always want to see what the new options right. were. Yeah, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. But like, that's, that's, the, that's cool. the tinkering. That's the tinkering. It's like a gene. It's like a genetic thing in there. I think my son has that. So I think that's all you need is an interest. Like if, if that sounds boring to you, maybe programming isn't for you because I feel like that's, that's the thing. Like that's the drive of like wanting to make something or understand how something works. So I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll see if he does it, but you do, is your daughter doing the scratch development stuff? Yeah. Yeah. She does it at school and, um, a couple of the camps she went to over the summer had a whole section on doing scratch. I don't think she's any great shakes at it. For her, it was mainly a chance to do crazy stuff like make the screen blink and do, you know, real, she, it was her chance to be funny. And, but she, she got, she started initially, she did not like it at all, but then she really did like it. Um, I don't think that's her mm. style. I feel like as I'm sitting here, I feel like I try to think about there's some kinds of things that are more or less difficult to teach other people, including kids who are people technically. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's right. I feel like there's, there are, there are two things that are very difficult to teach. They're so ineffable, um, integrity and curiosity. And like, you know, uh, how do you, how do you teach people to be like, you know, moral and whole and decent? That's hard to do. You have to, I mean, where, where is the first step of that? You just tell kids to be honest or whatever. Like, well, it's hard because integrity means like there's all kinds of reasons. I, I do this for me. I don't do this for you. I do this for me. Right. I'm polite because I do that for me. I'm trying to be kind. I do that for me because that's part of my integrity of like who I'd like to be. But the other one's curiosity. I mean, there's all kinds of people who act like that's as simple as giving some kid a coloring book or a electronics board. But like to actually be curious about figuring out, figuring out what this is, how it works, how you break it how you turbo up three or four different levels to do the stuff you're not supposed to be doing, to be sneaky about doing stuff, to see what you can do with it. Like, you know, how do you get people curious? Cause in curiosity is rife. Like mediocre understanding of whatever's happening around us is rife. Mm-hmm. The, the, the desire to like, I don't know, want, want to go to Paris and make a painting or like whatever it is, or to like sit down in the library for five hours like until you really understand about the history of the drachma, like whatever that is, like some people have that and some people don't. Yeah. Some people become train spotters and have difficulty pointing it into a extremely useful or career helping direction. But like all of my favorite people are ceaselessly curious. They're often very kind and have integrity too, but curiosity is something I really look for in a good person. And I don't know, I don't know how you teach those things. But like, there's all kinds of stuff that gets way less difficult if you have integrity and curiosity, and they're very difficult to teach. What do you think? I I agree. I think when it comes to that kind of the kind of curiosity that is not, 
I wonder about that, but actually I'm going to take that thing apart and figure it out. Or I'm going to look at every single preference and try them all. There are so many people that just, they just don't care about that kind of thing. That it never occurs to them to do that. Well, which is totally, and that's not I have bad. to say, it's totally normal. Right. Like, who wants to call AT&T and change their package? Like, who wants to get on the horn with Comcast? No, <laughs> that's it's right. not broken right now. I'm very incurious about what happens if I change my package with Hulu. Extremely incurious, because I know what a fragile ecosystem it is. But there's something that I believe to be true of probably m- at least, well, 30-some years ago this was true, was that um, a lot of people who came to college especially people who went to liberal arts college, especially especially people that went to the really squirrely liberal arts school I did, some of the people who were top of their class had a very difficult time there because there was such a lack of structure. We did not have sports teams and cheerleaders. I don't think we had school colors. If we had school colors, I didn't know what they were. <laughs> um, but what I do know is that for the first time in our life, there was not fairly immediate grade letter rewards for success and having done well on the test. Your sponsor, the, the person who's like your, you have an academic sponsor, somebody you go to who like, you know, goes over your stuff, like signs all your evaluations, all that kind of stuff. But your, you know, your sponsor gets paid whether you do well or not. Yeah. Like your sponsor has plenty to do without being your mom. And some people, there are, there are, there are all kinds of stories about folks at, at new college, at least who like, they were gone after a week because they were like, and it wasn't because they couldn't succeed. It was like they had no context for how unmoored they were from any kind of guidance or structure for how this was supposed to be done. And even though they were some of the most successful people at their high school, they had a very difficult time. And then they went on to have a great career somewhere else in academics and life by going somewhere that was more sensible to them. Maybe go to a big, maybe go to like an FSU because like it's a real good school or UF, better school, is like you got, um, (laughs) no offense, but, uh, but you know, if you want to, if you want to, even if you, um, even if you're somebody who's always done, uh, you've done well in literature and language arts because you were able to know what's on the test and you tested well. What happens if people stop testing you? Like, what if it's up to you to decide like what your project yeah. is and yeah. how you're going to do it? And the sponsor, it's not the sponsor doesn't care if you do well with it, but like, you know, you're going to have to implement something of your own design. And that's chilling to people who are used to a huge amount of structure. And there's some weirdos like me that like thrived a little bit in that environment. And it's all different for different people, but like it never hurts to have a sense of curiosity. If it, liberal arts teaches you nothing else, it's hopefully how to meet deadlines and how to learn what you need to learn. And like that's to me starts with curiosity. And I don't know how you teach it. No idea. Hmm. Swift playgrounds. What's the other one? Scratch Swift playgrounds. There's one more. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think there's much benefit in sitting? I mean, this is a loaded question. Could we agree there's not that much benefit in, in setting your kid down with some Guido pronouns and a, and a Python and saying like, go go do this? Yeah, that's like, just not that's just not how things work today. Uh, that's what I would when I was ten, eleven years old. That that was how I learned everything. I had a book and I like you read to do it. Here, I read do this. Do this. Yeah, I read the book and it says like. Here's how to print something to the screen. Okay, and I would type it in, and then I would say, "Oh, oh, that's cool." And oh, this is a, a, a go-to. A go-to makes it go to the thing. And then you know, like that was how I learned everything was just getting a book, reading it, typing in the examples, and then eventually moving on to starting to look stuff up. And it's funny because I've been writing code almost every single day since 1981, 82. And so for me, 
I noticed that that con that that the concepts of programming, the the procedural logical thinking, is something that I do a lot in many cases as in a, in a flawed way that's a detriment to interacting with other human beings because. I'm like, oh, you know, there's a more efficient way to do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. right, but it's just a salad, you know. And and so, uh, but I, my mind does travel in those. <laughs> it's just a salad, you know. My mind does travel. Well, that's me. In, that's me and my kid with writing stuff down. Yeah, I'm like, there's no reason for you to ever forget anything again because you never needed to remember it in the first place. Write down all the homework this week and then cross it off. And but still, Sunday night in tears. But like, yeah, it's just a salad. <laughs> yeah. And so, for me, that whole kind of thinking. You know, I was, uh, my son was asking me, he's like, how many programming languages do you think you know? How many could you sit down and write in fluently? And, hmm. you know, when you're building a web application, for example, you're, you, you're writing it in whatever language you're using. So in my case, it could be Ruby on Rails, it could be Python, you know, whatever. Usually it's Ruby. Mm-hmm. So that's a language. And Ruby on Rails, that's a framework because it's not a separate language, but there's a lot of Rails-specific stuff. You're writing a lot of JavaScript, which these days is mostly, you know, a lot of, a whole lot of jQuery, but it's JavaScript. That's another one. You're writing a lot of SQL. So is that a programming language? Well, it's a language. You have to know mm-hmm. it. You have to know how to write it pretty well most of the time. So you got to you know, know what to type to make it do what you want to do. Right. And there's a lot of these different disciplines, I guess, these subtle language differences. But I mean, I've written in, I've written in C, I've written in C++, I've written in, in Java. Um, PHP even for years, you know, and I, I was trying to make a list of like everything that I've used, Pascal, Modula, all these languages that just aren't around anymore. And I've been teaching myself Swift and other things. And, you know, but it's, I feel like once you are really good at programming or once you have the real fundamentals down, then, uh, you know, then the rest are sort of just details. And, and I imagine mm-hmm. I knew um, my roommate in college dated a girl who was from, I can't remember where she was from, but she spoke four or five languages fluently. Um, and she was where, with the country where she was from, uh, which I believe was a Spanish speaking country. It might've been Spain. Um, but you know, she said, well, we all speak at least three. She's like, I'm not that special in knowing five. There's, I know people who know eight and <laughs> she really was fluent. She could switch from English to French, to Spanish, to a Brazilian Portuguese, to German. And it was like nothing to her. She was now given she was smart, but you know, I, I think that if you're in that space of like learning languages and knowing languages that for her, it was fun. Like she wanted to learn a new language because it was fun. And she wanted to learn Japanese because it's nothing like the other ones that she learned. And those were too easy. It'd be too easy to just learn another romance language. You know, she wanted something hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that in, in development and programming, it's the same thing that once you know one language pretty well, you can make the transition by saying, okay, like, show me what's different. I know Ruby pretty well. I want to learn Python. What's different? How do I do that? Like learning a new, like track and field sport. Like there's, there's elements of overlap between those or like moving from like skiing to um, snowboarding. I mean, I would have to imagine that all of the things being equal, somebody who's skied before is probably better at snowboarding because they have a, they have the physical vocabulary to, to do that. When like, if you're somebody who's like a lot of kids learn languages, they say kids learn languages easiest before they're like five or six. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't, but if you're not European, 
Um, but then you get a little older and like you learn what a part of speech is. Like it would be really hard to learn a new language unless you already know a language yeah. and understood what the difference between a noun, a verb, an adjective, an adverb, et cetera. Like now, but now, but like if that's, if that's in your wheelhouse, now you, you are just looking at the diffs in some ways. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, kind of. Yeah, no, that you're exactly right. Oh gosh, we gotta, I gotta tell you one more thing I like. Tell me about it. Squarespace. Ah, oh, box, box, Squarespace. You can do a lot of things Woo! with Squarespace, Merlin. You mm-hmm. can, you can, any kind of website. Usually I, I rattle off a bunch of websites you can create with Squarespace, but you know, I'm not going to do that this time because I, I think people get the idea that any kind of website you want, whatever kind of website you want to do, mm-hmm. you can make it with Squarespace. Really any kind of site. That's it. I mean, that, that doesn't seem possible. Uh, but I would encourage you to actually go try it out if you don't believe me. If you have a project or a business or a, a, a gallery of images or a, a, an album or whatever it is that you want to do, you want to sell something, whatever it is, Squarespace can help you do it. Uh, and that's because they've designed a system that works like magic where there's no coding involved. It's just you, you just go to their website, you log in. And you're presented with what looks like a very straightforward, easy to use system. And at first, you're like, "Wait a minute! I, like, there, this has to be harder." Yeah, I mean, than this. you you it's too you easy. Must learn. You must have to know some programming to right, do it. But you don't have to know any. You don't have to know any programming. Are you sure about that? I'm you don't. Sure. Have to know, you have to know any Java to do it. No. Any Java? No. No. Okay. Now, if you, if you're one of the people like me, and you're like, "Well, what if I want to like inject some code here to do something that I want it to do?" Yeah, of course you can do that. They're fine with that. They let you do that. But they make it so easy that probably you're not going to have to. There's so much about their interface that does work like magic. There's dragging and dropping and things that you feel like, well, that shouldn't be possible to do in a web browser. They they mm-hmm. do it. They make it possible, it. and it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so what I want you to do is the next time that it occurs to you that you want to do something cool on the on the internet, the next time you need a website, the next time you need a landing page, maybe you're out, you know what, you need. You want to find a new job, you want to make a little website for yourself, you need a domain, go to Squarespace, you can register the domain, you can build your website, and then that's that's where you tell people, oh yeah, go check out my website, here it is, oh you got a website, yeah, better than the other mm-hmm. candidates, aren't I? <laughs> sure. Go get no, a job. Absolutely better. 100%. Squarespace.com slash... A lot of learning is learning to know what you don't need to know. I like that. Did you say mm-hmm. that? They can use that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Going there, just visiting that URL is a way to thank us and support the show. Uh, and you'll get a free trial. When you're ready to launch, the offer code is it's your show, one word. You're going to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain because they have over 200 domain name extensions there. And if if... You hear someone saying, oh, I need a website. I just, I don't know how to, I'm so busy. That's, that is Squarespace's perfect, uh, perfect customer right there. Someone who's too busy to figure out how to make a website. Yes. That could be you. It could be your friends. It could be your, it could be your mom. Mm. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Offer code. It's your show. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting Back to Work. Thanks, Squarespace. How am I going to find out what I got to find out if you don't find out what I got to find out? That's right. The it's Alamo like, uh, Chico, not, Chico Marks, like Chico Marks says. They did not list their um, their their showtimes for movies until Tuesdays at like 2.30 p.m. That. Fandango does that. It drives me nuts. And I'm trying to book a thing for, for uh, an event mm-hmm. that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, don't, they don't show any. It's nothing. Nothing <laughs> on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Site. Nothing. I just keep reloading this stupid page. See that Captain Marvel trailer? Oh, is her new one? No. Oh, yeah. 
It, which it's very, is it's the, got a lot of the Jamie McKelvey, Kelly Kelly Sue stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, I, I hope it's good. Trailer two is a trailer good. two. Yeah, fifteen hours ago. Look at that. Okay, I'll watch that after. She's so cool. The whole thing looks cool. Cree. Yeah, Cree. Yeah, the the lady who used to be married to Warren Beatty. She's she's a Cree. Gives her gives her Creeness. Credence. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan, it's been a huge week. Did you got your Christmas shopping done? Um, yeah, it's all done. What all about done, you? Button, all buttoned up. Uh-huh. Woo! <laughs> uh I, I had one thing for Christmas, but then she was homesick and very miserable, so I gave it to her early. Oh. A very good book about Isle of Dogs. The making of Isle of Dogs. Oh, cool. My kids love that movie. Oh god, I love it so much. Spotsa. Spotsa. <laughs> don't you love don't you love the little the little um what do they call him? The um the little pilot? Ah yeah, he's cute. Movie, movie tears at my heart. But then he gets the thing in his head yeah, twice. No in, spoilers. It's in it's there the upsetting. whole movie. I know, and then he gets another one. Take it out. I don't like that organ transplant scene. We skip a daddy fast over. Really? Fast over this. Oh, I do not like that. <laughs> I love the sushi scene. Oh, uh, uh, but it's a good movie. Well, Dan, um, Mary, Mary Holland. Hall, Hall, oh, you're having the, the Miracle of Chanukah right now, right? Yeah, it was second night last night. My kids are doing it. They're learning the, uh, the blessing. And, uh, wow, really? Good, yeah. Move the turtle. Muzzle yeah. tough. Yes. All right, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.